is alive as we just got done singing. And if he's alive and he's active in our life and he answers prayer, I would expect more testimonies to occur. And I think we have them and I think we need to take note and and remember them, write them down and, and just intentionally think, I need to share that with somebody. God answered this prayer. So often we'll pray for something and just forget God answered a prayer and we'll forget to, to give him glory for it by testifying. And we are in a small series, short series on prayer. We started last week. And I, by the way, I did announce last week um, the, the possibility we're, we're heavily leaning towards uh, making a transition to the building over here meeting on Sunday mornings. It's looking like things are lining up there, but we'll, we'll probably get a confirmation, Lord willing, this week, hopefully. Uh, but everything's looking good uh, for us to do that. I know for some of the young families, that's like, yeah, I get 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 my kids home at a decent time and stuff. Uh, and then there's probably a couple of people who are like, ah, I love Sunday nights. And so, sorry if we make that decision. God has, in a real sweet way, opened the door for us to meet here where San Francisco the ACs meets. And, and just this is an answer to prayer, by the way. I mean, I was driving around for like a year kind of praying about church planning, praying about who's going to be a part of the team, uh, praying about where are we going to go, how are we going to make this happen, who are we going to reach out to. I mean, just all these details involved in starting a new church. And just, I've seen God open doors. And He's going to continue to do so. He's, he's faithful to answer our prayers. You know, since from early on in my walk with the Lord, I've, I've just seen God meet me in the place of prayer and answer prayers. Simple prayers, some bigger than others. Me and my mom coming to the Lord in 1998 was a huge prayer of my uncle. And he put us on prayer list and they were praying, praying, praying. And God used the prayers of my family and, and people that didn't even know me and my mom to bring us to Jesus. And so I want to encourage us tonight in prayer. My aim tonight is to, to encourage us and stir us up to be people of prayer. Last week, we talked about Luke 18, where Jesus gave a parable specifically so that men should always pray. He didn't leave out women in that, by the way. That, that men should always pray and not lose heart. So we talked about Christians praying faithfully and praying frequently and not giving up, staying with it until God answers. And so along with that, I gave 21 reasons why, why we should pray. 21 reasons. I plan to post those uh, pretty soon. 21 reasons why. It's helpful to just kind of think, why should I even pray? If God's sovereign, if God's you know, certain things are just going to happen sovereignly. If, you know, I already know I'm going to heaven or, you know, what, certain things are, we're confident in certain things. Why should we pray? And, and, and so there are plenty of biblical reasons to, to pray. And, and, and one of the ones we talked about last night or last week, and then we'll look at tonight, is that God accomplishes his will through prayer. Through the means of prayer, you and I are invited in to this special place of communing with Almighty God, talking with Almighty God, and He hears us, and He answers our prayer, and He changes things, He changes the world, He changes people through our prayers. This week we're going to look at learning how to pray from Jesus. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we'll get started. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we have this direct access to You. That we can connect with you. That you hear us and we're invited. That, that you want us in your presence. You want us near. You want us close. And may we be stirred in the place of prayer, God. May we experience personal revival in our prayer lives. And I pray that you would remove any guilt or discouragement that... that, that your people are caring about this, that it, this wouldn't just feel like another duty or burden for us to take up, but that this would be seen as a delight, as a joy, as a privilege, as something very desirable and very helpful and very good for our own souls and that we would earnestly pursue you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's where we're going. Matthew chapter 6, if you'll turn there. 
In this uh, passage, Jesus is giving a sermon known as the Sermon on the, on the Mount. So he's teaching about how kingdom people should live. How, what it looks like to be truly spiritual, to be truly godly, to, to, to be truly a part of the kingdom of God and what that looks like to be one of his followers. He gives his words, his teachings, and he kind of, he unpacks some truth from the law and, 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 and brings out the heart of God's law and, and, and addresses some misunderstandings and some practices that the, the, the present Jewish people had taken up. And in this particular passage, he's addressing the issue of prayer, starting in verse 5 of chapter 6. He, before that, he addresses giving, and then after he addresses fasting. Uh, the Jewish people, many of the Jewish people were very devout, pious people. They were very religious people. And Jesus had to correct some of their misunderstandings around that religion. And then he taught us what, what true religion looks like, what true Christianity looks like, what it looks like to really have a relationship with God. So we're going to start here in verse 5, and I'll read through verse 15, and then we'll come back through it. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in the secret. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Why don't y'all join me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your, he- will your Father forgive your trespasses. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, I w- was brought up with a Catholic background, and this would be quoted and re- recited every, every Sunday. How many of y'all got a Catholic background, and you're familiar with this? Okay, so this is, this is good, okay? Jesus taught us to pray like this, but it's more than just a, a liturgy. It's more than just some words to recite. This is a model for prayer. This is how you and I can go deep in prayer. If you wanted to go explore the ocean and maybe go see something like the Great Barrier Reef, and you wanted to explore it, you could go snorkeling, Right? Go snorkeling and have a great time. Or you could go scuba diving and go deep and really get to spend time exploring the beauty of God's creation. And I think this prayer is a prayer given to us by Jesus intended for us to go deep in our relationship with God. Not to stay on the surface and just check off the religious box. I did my prayers today. I'm ready to move on and go eat lunch and eat breakfast and go watch cowboy game and do whatever else. Jesus wants us to go deep in a relationship with God and He gives us this teaching for us to do so. How to pray. Praying is very important. It's very important. It's a key element to the, the Christian life because through prayer we get to experience God and really know God. To have any relationship, you have to have communication. You hear from somebody, you communicate to somebody. And that's something here that we value at City Church. We, it's our vision to know Jesus, love people, and impact our world. And so to know Jesus or to know our Heavenly Father, we got to communicate to Him. we got to listen to Him. we got to spend time with Him. So here's where we're going in this particular section of scripture is that Jesus taught his followers to pray sincerely with simplicity and secretly. Okay, that's where we're going. 
So, so first thing here is, is Jesus taught his disciples to pray sincerely. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So one of the problems in Jesus' day was that religious folks and, and leaders were hypocrites. And, and I think we still have some of those problems today, unfortunately. And I think we all have a tendency within us to be hypocrites. We all have a little bit of hip, hypocrisy in us, if you will. We have a temptation in us to put on a show, to, to present ourselves as somebody that we're really not. To present ourselves as more spiritual than we really are, more godly than we really are, more disciplined than we really are, more wise than we really are, more cool than we really are. You see, and I, I was just thinking, why, what, what is this? You know, why, why would anybody pray to be seen by people? I mean, why would anybody do that? Now, how many of y'all have done that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have maybe prayed, sang a little bit louder in the corporate worship so that somebody over here could hear you and think, man, they got a great voice? Or, or you're at prayer praying and you're just going after God and, and you're thinking, does anybody see me here? Or, or whatever. You're, you're reading your Bible at Starbucks and you're just, you got your study Bible and you got your commentaries or... No, no, this is this is me, right? Yeah, this is me. Okay. And it's like, you know, anybody see me here? I was actually at Starbucks the other day, and I was I had a commentary open, and uh, this there was a, a church planner actually from Garland who had a commentary too, and it was we were both reading the, it was the same author, the commentator. Um, he had one on the Gospel of John. I had one on Matthew because I was getting ready to preach on Matthew. But anyways, yeah. So. There's this brokenness within us, this insecurity and this, this unhealthy brokenness within us that seeks this affirmation and acceptance from man rather than from God. And so naturally, we want to be seen as more spiritual than we really are so that we can be affirmed in who we are. And Jesus teaches us that we need to get that from God. We need to go and pray to God, and we need to be sincere in our prayers. We need to be sincere about the one who we're talking to. Often in prayer, how many of y'all have ever been in a prayer meeting when you or somebody else in that prayer meeting start, was praying, and then all of a sudden they just started preaching? And they were just, boom, I mean, and you know they're, they're aiming for folks. Lord, help them to stop cussing and help them to stop, you know, whatever. And they're just going off and you're like, okay, who are you talking to? If you, if you got a word for us, like just say, hey, I got a word for, for you, okay, Mark, I got a word for you. Just kind of switch gears if you're, in a corporate, if you're in corporate prayer. Switch gears and just say, okay, I want to talk to you guys, okay? okay. And then, then I'm going to go, I'm going to switch back and now I'm talking to God. So Jesus teaches us to pray sincerely, be real, be from the heart. We want this, any relationship this is a necessary element for any relationship to be healthy and authentic. Speak from the heart. Jesus said the Father is seeking true worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Jesus is not looking for, and the Father is not looking for pretenders. He's not looking for performers. He's not looking for actors. He wants an authentic people who love Him truly. And worship Him truly. Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him in truth. Do you really want to experience His nearness, His presence? Do you want to experience God in prayer and worship? Then be true. Be true. Be genuine, be sincere when you and 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 talk to God. Worship when you sing, when you pray, and you're in a corporate setting. Do it to be seen by God. Amen. Now Jesus doesn't forbid public praying here. You know, and actually he he prayed with the disciples. They went up to the mountain to pray. Uh, the early church prayed corporately, right? 
If, if Jesus was teaching don't, don't pray with other people at all, then the early church must have really missed it because they were in the upper room just going after God, praying like crazy. 120 of them, and, and the Holy Spirit showed up. Okay, So, so he's not forbidding or pro- prohibiting corporate prayer, but what he's, what he's addressing here is the motive of the heart in our prayer. When we approach God, don't do it to be seen by men. Pray sincerely. Pray from the heart. Amen? That's simple. Uh, yet there's that temptation for us to, to, to put on a show. You know, there's that temptation for us to, to be something we're not. And just be real with God. So the next thing is this. And this goes, these go together here. Pray in the secret. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and, and pray to your Father who is in the secret, and your Father who sees in the secret will, will reward you openly. This is huge right here. Most of our praying should be done in the secret place. Okay. Now, since I've been a Christian, uh, and actually since City Church started, City Church has had a weekly prayer meeting. And I have been weekly at a high percentage of those prayer meetings. Every week participating or helping lead those prayer meetings. And praise God for being a part of a church that prays and values prayer. Amen? Because God hears and answers prayer. And so corporate prayer is great and, and necessary. But if we're not praying in the secret place, then there's, there's going to be a problem when we come to pray publicly with folks. Uh, I heard of one pastor who actually, in, in instructing and leading the prayer meeting, he said, uh, it, it, these were a part of his instructions. If you haven't prayed to God in the secret place, then don't get on the mic and, and pray openly in this meeting. Just, you need to focus on your heart, your own heart, connecting with God. And so the secret place is huge. Praying when nobody else is around when nobody else sees you. To do this, it requires faith. It takes faith to step in to your closet, to your room, and to spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours alone in solitude. Some of us really don't like solitude. Like we get restless and we, we pull out our phones and all of a sudden we're no longer alone because we're we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and email and, and reading the news. And, and I'm guilty of this. And so we, we get restless when it comes to solitude. Yet Jesus spent so much time alone praying. He would get up early in the morning. He would spend time with the Father. And he would connect and commune with, with his Father. And he'd get ready to minister to the people and represent the Father to the people and if we're going to follow in his footsteps, we got to spend time alone with him. We may need to even get a, a weekend away alone. How many of you ever spent a, a day or two days all by yourself just going after God? Okay, not talking about vacationing by yourself or anything like that. I'm talking about where you're just getting rid of all distractions. You're going to quiet your soul, detox your soul from all the distractions of this world and all the voices of this world and just hear from God. Open his word, praise him, pray to him, seek him, seek life direction concerning your job, long term, your family, uh, your ministry or whatever you got going on in your life. I encourage you to do that. If you've never had a time to do that or a season where you could do that, I encourage you to spend time alone. And, you know, we can all spend time alone each day with God in some way. Okay. now I know some of some of you mamas, like my wife, who has three little ones know that it is a fight. It is a fight to get that quiet time alone. Me and my wife, if we, if we wake up and our kids are already up, we're like, because we want our quiet time. We want our coffee. We want a Bible. We want some worship. We want to pray. We want some quietness. We want to reflect on the beauty of Jesus and then be ready for our kids to wake up. Susanna Wesley had like 19 kids. I mean, anybody even close to that, okay? She had a lot of kids. John, John and Charles Wesley's mom, okay? She had a lot of kids. She was a godly woman. And one of the things that she would do when the kids knew, this was, this was her prayer closet because she, she didn't have a lot of... Having 19 kids, you're not going to have a lot of privacy. You know what her prayer closet was? She would pull her apron over her head 
And that's when mama was praying, don't mess with her. Okay? But she made sure to have her secret place time with the Lord to pray. And we all need that. We need to value that. We need to carve a little space. You know, perhaps there's a, there's a place in your house that you can, a little nook that you can make just for you and Jesus to spend time with each day. You and your Heavenly Father. Your Father sees in the secret. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The NLT, the New Living Translation, says sincerely seek Him. I think the King James says diligently seek Him. So God rewards those who are seeking Him sincerely, diligently, those who are going after God. And if we're going to come to Him, we must come by faith. And if we're going to come to Him in the secret place, it's definitely going to take faith because it's only his eyes that see and it's only his ears that hear. Okay? Jesus says he's there. The Father will meet you there in the secret place. If you will go there and run to that secret place, quiet yourself before God, he will meet you there. God has met me in the secret place so many times since I've been his child. So many times. And God, sometimes there were just simple things that he's done and sometimes there were big things that he's done in my heart and where he's changed my perspective where he's lifted burdens where he's given me peace he's given me joy he's given me a a new motivation and strength to pursue him and do his will one time as i was a new christian i was probably six i was a christian for probably six months i was 17 years old and i was on my bed at night just thinking about okay eternity i'm going to spend Eternity in heaven with you, God. And that was, that was a good thought. But then all of a sudden it turned into like, what if I get bored? Eternity forever! You know, I mean, is it going to be like just a, what kind of, is it going to be like a, a Baptist church, Presbyterian church up there? I mean, what's it going to be like in heaven? I don't know. My mind was just going, is there basketball up there? I mean, who knows? Is it going to be worth it being there forever in heaven? I definitely, it's definitely going to be better in hell. And I knew God had rescued me from hell. It's hot in hell. There's no place to sit down. There's no second chances. There's no air conditioning. There's no lights. Okay, there's no times of refreshing. There's no drops of water. There's no food. There's no fellowship. It's torment for it forever. Okay. But heaven, heaven, yes, heaven's good. And I started all of a sudden kind of getting this despair of fear that came over me. Like, well, what if I get bored? What if, like, God gets boring after eternity? So it was kind of a despairing thought. And as soon as I felt that, I got down on my knees, and the presence of God just came in to my room in, in just a real way where I just, like, got this smile on my face and felt the joy of the Lord and said, God, I can spend eternity in your presence. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And we can experience that in the secret place day after day. If you're lacking joy in your life, go to the secret place. If you're lacking peace in your life and you're afraid and you're anxious and you're worried, go to the secret place and let your request be made known to God. With thanksgiving, there's our thanksgiving peace, alright? With thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the list goes on and on as to why we should go to the secret place and we should pray and we should not give up. Pray corporately too. We want to have corporate, weekly corporate prayer meetings. We, I'd love to get like a, a, a prayer chain where we're like, you know, conference calls, just all kinds of creative ways to just pray together. Get an app where it's like, here, here's my prayer request. Boo, boo, boo. And then, you know, we could hit a like when we prayed for, for somebody in the church or whatever. I'd love to do stuff like that, creative stuff to get us praying more because we need all the encouragement that we can get in it. But let's make sure that we're spending lots of time in the secret place because we're, we're so quick to go to a concert. We're so quick to go to a conference. We're so quick to go to a fellowship meal. We're so quick to go to a Bible study or some kind of entertainment event. You know, if you got tickets to the Dallas Cowboys, you'd be like, I'm there. Okay, but if it's like, hey, you want to come to the prayer meeting this week? You know, 
what we lack in, in, in motivation to go to that, that place of prayer. And yet, it should be the most exciting appointment for us every, every, every week, every day. That should be the most exciting thing for us. So pray in the secret place. Play, pray with sincerity. Pray in the secret. Next is pray with substance. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Amen. So pray with substance. Don't just rattle off empty phrases. Actually, before I was a Christian, before I got saved, I had some prayers memorized. And I was, I was straight up heathen. Okay? I was raised up Catholic, but I was, a, I was a heathen Catholic. I was headed for jail and hell. I did not know Jesus. I did not know God as my Heavenly Father. But I had some prayers memorized, like the Lord's Prayer, okay? and this other little Catholic prayer. And I would get down and pray it right after I got done doing some really bad stuff. And I thought it kind of like was my fire insurance, that I said this little prayer, like a formula. Like, I'm okay because I said this little prayer before I went to... Went to sleep, you know, if I die before I wake, you know, I pray the Lord my soul is taken. Whatever the prayer was, it wasn't that. But, it, you know, something like that where I'm thinking my salvation is hanging on me saying this formula each night before I go to bed. I didn't even have salvation. I didn't even know what it meant to be saved. I wasn't trusting in Christ as my Savior, and he certainly wasn't Lord of my life. I was doing my own thing, living my own way. So prayer is not just reciting this memorized script to God. Prayer isn't this vain repetition of just saying the same phrases over and over and over, or, you know, whatever. I'm not dissing on praying in tongues, by the way. But, you know, this is what, you know, like Hindus or, or plenty of other religions pray with vain repetitions, like as if the many words, the empty words, are going to help them better before their God. And so prayer is about having a relationship with God. It's not about a formula and a checklist. And he's not like a genie in the sky and you've got to do this, this, and this. And then he'll, you know, then he'll uh, grant you your request. Prayer is about a relationship with God. Amen? Those of you who are married or have any meaningful relationships in your life, know that you have to speak meaningful words for that relationship to be meaningful. You have to put some thought into those words. How are you doing today? Good. That ain't going to cut it, guys. How did work go? Good. you you got to think a little bit harder about your responses to your wife. Okay, I'm dissing on the guys, and I'm guilty of this. You know, that's going to be my, my next point. Pray with simplicity. We can like to keep it simple, right? Pray with substance. Pray with substance. Talk to God meaningfully. Talk to God intentionally. Think about the things that you're saying. I mean, sometimes we get all mixed up and like Father Jesus, Holy Spirit. And you're like, we just say things that are like unbiblical, you know, like we mix up the Trinity and, you know, we do. We, anyways, we, we, we should think about the things that we're saying when we pray. In these kind of relationships, you know, I said to, to Alex tonight, I, I said, good morning, Alex. He said, good morning. And it's actually evening right now. You know, and sometimes we, we get in these ruts of, of saying these, these words that don't carry a lot of meaning with them, and they're kind of our go-to words. And we get like that in prayer. Prayer before meals can be like that. Maybe prayer before you go to bed can be like that. And so if you're stuck in a praying rut and you just got this kind of go-to and, and you just repeat, Father God, Father God, Father God, thank you, Father God, and you just need some life in your prayers and substance in your prayer, take some time to, actually, we'll, we'll read the next verses. Jesus will give us a, a model, a guideline, uh, some scuba diving equipment so we can go deep and be a little bit more intentional about how we pray and what we're saying. So we should pray with substance. All the wives said, amen, when the husbands are talking to you, you want some substance in those words. You want some meaning in those words. You want, you want a, something from the heart, something that's thought through, something that's meaningful. And God is a, he's a person. 
He's, the, he's perfect and he's great and he knows everything. And by the way, he doesn't need us to inform him on our needs. He already knows what we need before we even ha- ask him. He doesn't need us to like update him so it could help his knowledge of what's going on with us. <laughs> Yet he invites us, he invites us to ask so that in the process we get closer to him We get closer to Him. He answers the request. And this is for our good and for His glory. That's what prayer is. And it's about the relationship with Him. We're communicating to Him. And, you know, I love that that Romans 8.26 says, We do not know how to pray as we ought to. That's why we're having a sermon on this, by the way. We don't know how to pray as we ought to. Learning how to pray from Jesus. If you, By the way, if you want to learn how to pray... Go to the expert, right? If there's anybody that can teach us how to pray, I mean, who's somebody that you can think maybe that's alive? Like, who would you go to to say, man, teach me how to pray, brother or sister? Teach me how to pray. Can you think of anybody that's alive right now that you would say, teach me how? Or maybe somebody that you respect that that's a Christian before you and that died and has some books or commentaries. Teach me how to pray, Ian Bounds or Andrew Murray or whoever, whatever. I think if we're going to learn how to pray well, we need to go to the expert. Amen? So Jesus teaches us to pray with sincerity. He teaches us to pray with in the secret place. He teaches us to pray with substance. And He teaches us to pray with simplicity. And this is how it goes. Approach God as a loving Father. When you pray, pray like this. By the way, again, this is not a formula. This is not a just all you have to do is recite these words and your prayer is done. This is a relationship. Our Father in Heaven. The simplicity of this. This this prayer is noted for its simplicity. Okay, It's very simple. Our Father in Heaven. We are coming to God as His children. And He is our Father. And we have the right. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... John 1, 12 and 13 says, we have the right to be called sons and daughters. The early church, by the way, prohibited non-Christians to pray to God as their father or take of the communion elements because that's for Christians. And if you're a Christian, you're born again. God truly is your father. He truly is your father. And you have a special place in His heart and you can come before Him with all your burdens and all your requests. Just like my children can go run up to me just this morning and yesterday morning and they want to sit in my lap and hang out with Dad. We can pray to God and call Him Abba, Father. He's our Dad and He cares. He's our loving Father. He's our strong Father. He's our Father who is in Heaven. So we should come to Him praying Our Father in Heaven. He reigns and rules over Heaven and Earth. He dwells in Heaven. And we we come to Him so that we should come with reverence. With the fact that He is God who reigns. He dwells in the Heavens and does whatever He pleases. So He's powerful, transcendent, and sovereign, and mighty. So we should have that aspect when we come to God. But then we should also come that... In, in a personal way, that He is our Father, and He's gracious, and He's merciful, and He hears us, and He sees us, and He cares. And we should think about not only what we're saying when we pray, but who we're saying it to. Who we're saying it to. That we are coming into the presence of the Almighty God, of the all-loving God, the all-wise God. We should think about, who am I talking to here? I'm talking to God as my Father. I mean, sometimes we just need to stop in our prayers and really think about, we're talking to somebody who could do anything. Who can answer any any request that we have, any need that we have. He He can take care of it. We just need to slow down sometimes in prayer, not be so rash with our words and just like, boom, 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 God, God, God. You know, and and think about who He is. And this should lead us to worship, to adoration, to praise, to thanks. In our prayers. I think that's priority in our prayers that we think about who God is and that we pray, Hallowed be your name. Your name. God's name is who He is, who His character is revealed to be. 
And his name is to be regarded as holy by all people. You know, one of the top ten, the big ten of ten commandments is do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Right? Don't worship idols. Uh, You shall have no other gods before me. God cares about how we treat his name, how we represent him, and how we talk about him. Because it's for our good that we know him as he truly is and that we feel the weight of who he is and that affects and influences how we live our lives. Amen? Because he's a good, good father. He's loving. He's, he's a God of righteousness and justice. Amen? And so he wants to be represented well. He wants us to know him when we come to him. And so this is a petition that God's name would be hallowed, that, that his name would be regarded as holy. It's not like make your name holy. It's already holy. God's already holy. We don't add to his holiness or to his power or to his love or to his wisdom or his knowledge or anything else. He's already all that. He's all powerful, all loving, omnipresent, everywhere. And so we don't add to that, but we, we pray that, that he would be regarded as that. As the righteous one, as the holy one, as the, the loving one, the gracious one, the, the, um, the sovereign one, and so on. Uh, you know, if you want to dig into that, do a study on the names and the titles of God, the attributes of God in Scripture. And that will just blow you away. And that will fuel your worship, fuel your adoration, fuel your thanksgiving. So the next part of the petition is, uh, the next petition is, your kingdom come... Your kingdom come, and then the next one is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So pray for his kingdom to come. This should, this should be priority in our prayers. Actually, a large majority of my prayers kind of stay on that top, top three petitions there. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. I think we should get kind of captivated with God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. I think we should seek first God's kingdom, God's will, and love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think He should be top priority in our lives, in our prayer, in our praise, in our talk. That He should be top priority. So His kingdom come. So in one sense, His kingdom already has come. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. He brought the kingdom. The king arrived. He came as a baby, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died for us sinners to bring us into that kingdom, to make us a part of that kingdom. So in one sense, the kingdom has come already, but not yet fully manifested. And so we pray into God, fully manifest your kingdom. Just as it is in heaven. By the way, when I pray, so often when I pray, I go back to this prayer right here. I may not say these exact same words, but I'm thinking, how does this fit in with how Jesus taught us to pray? So often, I'm just filtering my prayers through this right here. And I encourage you to do the same. Am I prioritizing God's name? Am I prioritizing God's kingdom? And then, what does it look like in heaven? This is helpful for me. That last little phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, that helps me to pray. God, there's no sin in heaven. So bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. Bring your kingdom here on earth as as it is in heaven. There's no uh, unhealthy fear and anxiety in heaven and people freaking out, losing their mind in heaven. There's no disrespect of God's name in heaven. There's worship and praise. The kingdom of God... Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So we're going to expand the sermon and delay the the fellowship meal after the service. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus brought that. He made sinners righteous. And he taught sinners how to live righteous. He made the heavy laden and the, 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 the depressed, the downcast, joyful. He made the fearful and the anxious at peace and whole in their soul. 
That's the kingdom of God. Pray that His kingdom come, that His kingdom expand. Some of you are going to see family members this week that are lost. And they don't know Jesus as their King, as their Lord and Savior. And you need to pray for them that God's kingdom would break through in their lives, that they would turn to Jesus for righteousness, that they would turn to Him so that their sins would be forgiven and that they can experience that joy of knowing God, that they can experience that peace of being made right with God. The kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will, this should be priority. Instead of approaching God saying, my, 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 me, 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 it's yours, you, yours, your name, your kingdom, your will. This this is how our prayer should sound if we want them to be effective. And if you want to pray God's will better, then I can't think of any better way to do so than to get into this book and read this revealed will. God's revealed will for us. Read it. Study it. Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. And so claim promises like that when you pray. And then filter with what you're asking God, is it even God's will? 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petitions we ask for. So filter through this book. Is this God's will? Does it look like this in heaven? Sometimes I think this, often I think when I'm praying for a sick person, is there any sickness in heaven? When Jesus brought the kingdom on earth, he healed the sick. The kingdom of God looked like that. The sick being healed. So I pray for sick people to be healed. God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. So let that be your grid. So the next thing is give us this day our daily bread. Everybody who's hungry and ready for the fellowship meal is like, amen. We're ready for our daily bread and our turkey that Larry and Kathy have so graciously provided. Smoked turkey. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus here teaches us to pray for our needs and not our greeds. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. So it was common that workers would get paid each day in the first century. Okay. Get their wages that day. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we're like, give us this month our monthly check or whatever. You know, Jesus does teach us to pray for our needs, though, that that the bills would be paid, that we would have clothes on our back, shelter over our head, that we would have the basics of life. And if you got that, you got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Thank God for that. So pray for your needs and not your greed. And then the next thing is, and forgive us our debts as, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This, should, this implies confession. Scripture teaches confession. That often in prayer, when you and I come before a holy God like Isaiah, and Isaiah 6 was in the presence of a holy God, often what will happen is you'll be in there saying your prayers to God, And all of a sudden get convicted because you're standing in the presence of holiness. And and you're reminded of that that harsh word that you said towards your child or your co-worker. Or you're reminded of that that smirk or that attitude or that, that selfish thought or whatever. And that little guilt that's lingering there. And you're over here talking to God about this and that. And you got this little thing over here that needs to be addressed. Because it's hindering your communion with God. And so, this is central. Forgiveness is central to the Christian life. Because Christians are forgiven. And Christians are to freely give forgiveness to others. We're forgiven and we should just dish it out generously, graciously. Amen? And so, confession in our prayer life should be common. So, as we're praying... You know, we live in a fallen, broken world, and we are far from perfect, right? And so we, we sin. We sin. And so if we're sinning, then that means we need to confess those sins and repent of those sins and ask for forgiveness of those sins on a more regular basis. Don't wait for like once a month to kind of store it all up until you got this heavy backpack of guilt and shame. And then you're like, God, I don't even know why I can pray, why I can't pray. And, you know... 
deal with those little little things so that your your relationship with God doesn't get quenched and so you don't grow in, in your relationship with God. So deal with those. Confessing and then giving out that same forgiveness that you receive from the Lord. I had an experience in prayer years ago. Thankfully, it wasn't last week, but there was somebody I was I was trying to go to sleep at night and I could not. And I said, God, I feel like I'm tormented right now. And he reminded me of Matthew 18 of the giving servant who had been forgiven of a debt. And then he went he was forgiven of a big debt, and then somebody who owed him a little, he had him thrown in the prison. And, and Jesus said he was delivered over to the torturers until he should repay all. And he said, so my heavenly Father will do to each of you who does not forgive his brother from his heart. And when I read those words and was reminded of those words as I approached God in prayer, because my prayers probably weren't getting very far, my prayer life was being hindered by unforgiveness towards a brother. And God brought it to my attention. I confessed it. And as soon as I did, I felt the peace of God over my soul, in my soul. And I was able to sleep like a baby. So we should, in, in, in prayer, confess our sins. And lastly is that we, and this is simple. I don't want to make this complicated. As I said, we should pray with substance. Think about it. But also simplicity. Anybody can learn how to pray like this. The disciples who were untrained, uneducated men said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them a simple prayer. He doesn't make it complicated for them. Okay? There's simplicity in this prayer. Forgive people. Ask for your basic needs. Pray for his kingdom, his will, his name to be honored. And approach him as a loving father. And lastly, pray, don't lead me into temptation. But deliver me from evil, God. Pray for your deliverance. Pray. This is spiritual warfare. This is standing, resisting the enemy and his attacks and his schemes to hurt you and your family. Pray that God lead you not into temptation, but deliver you from the evil one. So lastly here, I just want to finish on a couple of hindrances. Of prayer. Um, the first one is unforgiveness, as I've already said. Jesus said, if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that's one. Unforgiveness. Forgive. As, as I'm talking about this now, if, somebody brought, if God brought somebody to your mind, release them. In prayer, confess to God, I forgive so-and-so. You've, you've forgiven me. That's what Christians do. Jesus said, describing a, 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 a life in the kingdom of God... He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Amen? Marital conflict. All you, all you husbands and wives, you got a little tiff on the way over here. Got a little a rub or conflict. Uh, it says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that heirs may not be hindered. So if, if, you're, if you have harmony within your marriage, then your, your prayers are going to be hindered. Husbands, if you don't dwell with your wives in an understanding way, it will affect your prayer life. So be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to how things are between you and your wife for the sake of your relationship with God. A couple other hindrances are cherishing sin in our heart. Psalm 68, 66, 18. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So we need to confess our sins in prayer. Asking selfishly, James 4, 3. And even when you ask, you do not get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So this is asking selfishly. So if you've ever just struggled with, with like, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? I mean, I've wanted that Mercedes Benz so bad. I wanted that upgrade on, my, on the car with the leather seat so bad. Why didn't you do that? And you're, you know, upset about that. Well, this is for you if, if you've ever been in that place. You know, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, God, we want thicker carpet or whatever. I mean, we should ask things that are according to God's will, according to God's agenda. Not that, I mean, I think it's legitimate to express our heart's desire to God. But sometimes he'll let us know if, if we're praying selfishly. And, and you know what? He doesn't always answer Answer, he doesn't answer self, those selfish prayers. According to James, God's, God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if we're praying something that's not good, we're saying, God, 
Like if my son was to say, hey, dad, give me the keys to the car. I want to take it for a cruise. He's five years old. Would I give him the keys to the car? Of course not. That would not be good for him or our car or our budget or our, our bank account. That would be dangerous <laughs> or anybody else on the road. And so God doesn't always answer prayers that we think he should answer, you know. And so a lot of times he'll change our perspective in, in the process. So here's the last, last two things is uh, pride. Pride will keep us from God. Pride will keep God from answering our prayers where we are proud and self-righteous. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, Psalm 10, verse 4 says, The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. And lastly, faith. Our unbelief is a hindrance to prayer. It's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we should pray in faith, believing that God hears us and that he will answer. Amen? So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for these words that have been kept for us, preserved for us to hear and read so that we might know you and know your heart. So that we might live in a way that honors you, in a way that is best for us and those around us. And God, I, I pray again just that you would light a fire within us, that you would revive us in the secret place, that we would be enthusiastic about time with you in your word. Help us. Help us to pray much in the secret place and to not lose heart, not give up, Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for the food that you've provided for us. Thank you for the freedom that we have to worship without fear in this place. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you.